welcome to the Spoiler Warning Podcast. This is review number 283 with a review of Nonstop. I'm Christopher Schneezy. I'm Carson Patrick. And if you're joining us for the first time, the Spoiler Warning Podcast is a weekly film review program. Each week in the show, Carson Patrick and I are going to dive in, debate, discuss, and argue the latest film releases coming to a theater near you. This week, we are hopping on the nonstop flight to Liam Neeson's new film, and we are talking about nonstop. It's that time of year again. Or Liam Neeson's got to punch somebody. <laughs> I was really hoping that Stephen was going to be able to make this podcast because I was going to threaten to kill one podcast host every <laughs> 20 minutes until this review was over. Oh, and, no. Uh, that now, means I'm, I'm first. <laughs> yeah, now, now with only two of us left. Um, I, I don't think that'll work out very well. It's okay. I'm an air marshal, too. <laughs> yeah, who clearly... Uh... <laughs> as long as you don't try to pull a gun on me, you'll be okay. Yes. But I figured that even that way, I mean, I can I can ensure that I don't have to die because once I kill you at the first 20 minute mark, I think it's safe to say that I can just end it before the next 20 minutes. If I, if I go long on that episode, uh, that'll be my own fault for dying. Yes, you should just jump out of the plane <laughs> because they framed you for hijacking and uh, as a terrorist. <laughs> so uh, how uh, have you been stuck in this nonstop rain like we've had here in the, the lower Southern California? I, I have been stuck in the, the nonstop rain, yes. I've been so, punching my way through it. So, I mean, uh, mine, it's been raining all morning and luckily has just stopped now. Um, so hopefully there will be no power interruptions or any sort of bad uh, thing that will lead to this podcast being cut short. But uh, how about you up there? It hasn't rained uh, since last night, so, okay, so, it's, you, so you got, it's all right. You got cut out of, of the storm last night and you've been kind of sleeping but through. Yesterday it rained pretty much all day and there was thunder and yeah, no power outages. But uh, I know like there were definitely some, some flash flood warnings and uh, some power outages in other places. Yeah, we. I mean, I know we had like, basically everywhere in San Diego County had a flash flood warning uh, for most of the last couple of days. But I didn't yeah. check it. I didn't check it this morning. It might, may or may not be. Uh, but I mean, re- really, like the. I feel like those warnings are just uh, more like guidelines. They're just advisories, you know. <laughs> really, I mean, I. I don't think it's really that imminent. They say it's imminent, and they're like, if you're next to a creek, get the hell out of here, like. Well, yeah, I mean, it's definitely only, it's not just like the whole county is going to be flooded over by water. It's like if, if you, because I mean, my, uh, many, many years ago, I worked at a, you know, I worked at a, at a tech company and we were in this like little tiny industry building and across from us was this apartment complex that had a creek that ran right through it. And at the bottom of that creek, the creek went underneath the street, um, underneath, underneath the main road and it sort of just disappears underneath there. And it was like a little tiny creek when it rained bad. It would, you know, it would flow in there. Like if you try, a little kid tried to cross it, he'd be in trouble. But like an adult could probably jump it. And like that's how small it was. Well, one rainstorm, all the like tree brush and everything went down, slammed into that drain that was underneath the street and completely clogged it. And that entire road uh, kind of back water backed up over it. We had to like shut down all our computers, put them up on top of desks in case it reached the top of our uh, our building. It was pretty. It was a pretty good, uh, interesting day at the office to kind of check out this crazy flood that appeared out of like a two two foot creek. That's all. I mean, that's always fun, you know. Office flooding. I mean, the the streets here, like Friday Saturday, were like rivers. The any street corner was just pummeled with with water because none of the drains are are uh, you know equipped to handle any water here 
Well, they're they're all drains that they got from the Hollywood backlot, right? I mean, they're all they're, <laughs> yeah, they're fake drains. drains. They're fake drains. Yeah, they're not real. <laughs> so, yeah, and everyone was all concerned because they're like, "Oh no, it's gonna rain for the Oscars." It's like they're okay. Oh yeah, I, I forgot about that. I mean, I mean, I I knew it was tonight, but I wasn't thinking about the rain too. That that's gonna be a soaking red carpet, I would say. Well, I guess they set up like they covered the whole thing with a giant uh, tent. Gotcha. But uh, and they had people. They they said they were gonna have people on standby. So you know, when Jennifer Lawrence got out of her limo, she's not gonna melt. <laughs> it's just a bunch of guys who are gonna lay down in the right. Exactly. They're just gonna in the water and she can in step the, over in the back. puddle, and they're just she's gonna step on them. <laughs> She doesn't ruin her dress or anything, yeah. Good times. Well, uh, yeah, what do you say uh, we get into this episode? I, I'm ready. I'm, I've got my uh, suitcase full of blow. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, while you're like snorting all of that suitcase full of blow, uh, let's take a look at the trailer for Nonstop. And we come back, we will let everybody know what we thought about this film. I hate flying. The crowds, the delays. I always kind of liked it. Six hours, one seat, nobody can get to you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard our non-stop service from New York to London. You fly much? All the time, actually. someone every 20 minutes unless 150 million dollars is transferred to this account number we're midway across the atlantic how do you kill someone in a crowded plane and get away with it ladies and gentlemen i need every passenger to raise their hands above their head this is a bad idea Agent Marks, the account number you gave us is in your name. What? That doesn't make any sense. This is a setup. Something else is going on. So that was the trailer for Nonstop. In this film, Liam Neeson plays an air marshal. And, you know, in the middle of a six-hour nonstop flight across the Atlantic or whatever it is, um, which seems like a short amount of time. But, you know, then again, I don't do uh, cross or mid-Atlantic flights or whatever. Well, it, it was only from uh, New York to London, so it wasn't. That, uh, okay. That's about right. Okay, gotcha. Well, uh, anyways, so he is an air marshal. And, you know, on board this flight, uh, a couple hours in, he gets a little text message on a secret network phone 
And it's basically a guy who is threatening to kill a passenger on this plane every 20 minutes until $150 million is wired to uh, this account. And uh, Liam Neeson has to try to figure out what the hell is going on, who this guy is, and, you know, may encounter a little bit of uh, trouble as he tries to go about this from, you know, various passengers and or people on the ground. So, Carson, what did you think of this film? Uh... I feel like this movie is I feel like this movie was marketed the same way as The Grey where The Grey had the epic money shot of Neeson putting on the uh brass knuckle miniatures <laughs> about ready to, you know, go toe to toe with a wolf and this movie had the money shot of Neeson, you know, floating in zero g <laughs> capping people and uh I feel like both movies build up to the the money shot and but I feel like in the gray everything that precedes that shot is awesome in this movie everything that precedes that shot is just boring as shit. Yeah. Um yeah, I was uh I, I was very bored during this movie and uh it it shouldn't have been that boring especially when like I I comically mentioned but there you know there's a suitcase full of blow that's got some stuff in it and you know got neeson trying to find out who's sending him nefarious text messages on this plane and we got julianne moore who's you know was might be the villain we don't know (laughs) and uh there's there's a you know we got like some other people on the flight too that are uh questionable uh, Peter Russo is kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. he's kind of uh, he's got a little bit of a temper. He, he's uh, he was just trying to escape the country after having faked his death in some other property, <laughs> and, and all he wanted to do was fly safely across the right. Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just feel like there this movie adds nothing new to the genre of hijacking thriller. Uh, movies. I, I think um, I, I was joking. I think off air last week that I hope this movie was better than Flight Plan, and I think this movie's actually worse than Flight Plan. Um, and and that movie was pretty terrible and and pretty ridiculous too. Uh, when you know the twist is finally revealed and and like the plan of what's happening. Um, I, I think that the the overall, there's not really a twist in this movie, but like once we find out who's behind all of the, uh, you know, the, the the acts, it's really not that satisfying and or interesting. Like I, I feel like you can pretty much pinpoint who it's gonna be, uh, at least one of the people who it's gonna be uh, before it happens, just because the way everything is set up. And uh, I, I mean, you know. Liam Neeson, I, I like him as an action star, and and you know he's got this newfound career as as it as an action star, but uh, you know now we're kind of getting to the point where it's like it's his movies are like Mad Libs, where they're just kind of like putting him in scenarios, uh, you know, just just kind of recycling the formula, and it's like okay, well now he's on a plane instead of you know here, and uh, e- even in this movie he felt like you know he was just sort of unmotivated as to why he was in this movie uh so yeah I, I mean there really isn't much to say about this movie it's really bland and it's very uh uh 
uninteresting, and uh, it really adds nothing new. And and I will say, definitely this takes the worst plain CGI award for this year. Uh, last year, <laughs> it was uh, the, the random plane shot in Blue Jasmine. The year before that was uh, Argo plane and uh or, or the flight plane we could you know debate that one uh and then i think a couple years prior that plane in invictus was uh pretty terrible so uh, this just you know is following in the path of of worst plane cgi well because i'm sure everyone was thinking that the funny thing too um and well i first of all part of the problem with the plane cgi is they do this weird move um where they put the plane at a non-lift generating angle <laughs> like if, <laughs> if this was a space movie and you know there was some sort of i don't know we'll just say explosion or something or like you know somebody ejected a warp core and created an explosion and then like a blast was escaping a black hole um mm-hmm. it would make sense to like treat that sort of thing as like a wave that arcs the ship in a strange way because you're in space and you, you know, don't have atmosphere and you don't have to generate lift using wings and, you know, aerodynamics and crap like that. But I don't like in that shot. And the shot is in the trailer too, where the, the the plane is being flanked by, by two fighter jets. And it's like the nose is down and to the left. And like the wings are like cocked up at the side. And then it's flying in the, it's flying like the way a helicopter would, where you tilt in the direction you're flying. And that shot... It, it makes, didn't make any sense. That shot makes zero, absolutely zero sense. I mean... I mean, granted, this movie has very little logic to it, but uh, even for a movie that has that little logic, uh, well, it didn't make any sense that the plane should be that way. My, my, my main point, though, is that, like, there is no reason you have to see the outside of this plane from anything other than right outside a passenger's window. Like, there's one shot where I think Liam Neeson is, like, walking through the cabin and the camera follows along the outside of the plane. I think that was in the movie. For some reason, I'm saying that in my you're head. Talk, you're talking about like the one shot or the they, they mimicked a one shot where he was uh, kind of interrogating everyone and it went out the plane window yeah, and yeah, yeah. back in the plane window. Like, like that shot's the most you need to do because there's no reason to need to see the plane from the outside because the story is about people inside the plane. Like... Um, I mean that would have been that would have been more interesting I think if you never really left the plane yeah. uh, I mean I think it's it's obviously necessary you want to get some establishing I mean they, we know they're in a plane but since they have like the fighter jets that show up and I mean just for the f- pure fact that um, I just think that like you know in this day and age it's like why does it look so shitty like I, I feel like you know we've we've mentioned other movies before that have much superior effects and i mean come on like air air force one was was all you need for that kind of uh i mean that's a the much better example of uh this kind of genre i feel like and uh uh but i mean an even better example is movie red eye like i think that's like that really takes the cake in terms of like claustrophobic plane thrillers uh and it's I mean, that movie is, it's concise, it's tense, it's only like 80 minutes long, and it gets much more uh, done than this movie does in like an hour 50. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I I just think that like, this movie was kind of spinning its wheels up until the big reveal at the end, and then you're just kind of sitting there waiting like, all right, when's he gonna, you know, shoot the guy in zero G, and let's get this over with. (laughs) Well, okay, so I... 
like I, I was not bored by this movie. Um, I it's definitely a slow burn movie, and the story progresses in a very slow manner. But I was I was totally fine with that. Like that that didn't bother me at all. Um, for me, I felt like uh, the film, much like the plane, starts to unravel towards the end of the film, and uh, it just it. To me, the the reveal of who, what, and why this whole thing is taking place is like I like if I was a member of the team of people who were trying to um, do this for the reasons they were, I would hit all of them with a rolled up newspaper and ask them why the hell they think doing this accomplishes their end goal. Um, it just to me it seemed stupid and just I I don't I don't know I was I was. I, con- it was very stupid, yes. Yeah, I, I was just confused by, like, this is not a master plan. Like, I get when a villain wants to, like, take down the entire U.S. economy and, like, plunge the U.S. into a, you know, their own, dep- like, take everybody back to the Depression and just, like, re- yeah. reset them to zero. Like, I can get why an enemy of the United States would want to do this. I cannot understand why the people in this film, A, want to do this, and B, think that doing it accomplishes their goal. Um, so that's kind of stupid. The, uh, the big money shot that you're talking about, um, where, you know, the, you know, everything goes zero G and Liam Neeson grabs his gun and like flies backwards through the cabin while shooting yeah. somebody. Um, that scene itself was not badass because it happens while somebody is pulling out of a nosedive in the plane. And like, I, I put this out on Twitter and I was like, you know, I'm not an expert, but I'm pretty sure that when you pull out of a nosedive, you add G's you don't remove them. So like there's like you essentially increase the amount of G forces when you pull out of a nosedive. If you pull into a nosedive really quickly, you know, that's like the vomit comet, how they, you know, in some other movies where they get like eight seconds of free fall, you know, they go up and they go down and they create a moment at the apex of that little like turn down in which everything goes weightless. But if you dive down and then pull really hard, remember in, uh, in, in independence day, when he's like, I'm going to do something. He's like, don't do anything stupid. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to do this. And he's like, that's what I'm talking about. And then like, he like tries to bank out of it. Right. Um, that's the exact same thing. Like you're essentially like quadrupling how much you weigh. So there's no way that gun lifts up while they're pulling out of a nosedive. Um, I mean, regardless of the physics and the science of the situation, I just don't think it was earned. That moment wasn't earned. So it wasn't badass either way. Well, I mean, all they needed was like they're they're in the cabin the cabin is completely clear all the way to the cockpit but the cockpit door is open and Liam Neeson is struggling with the bad guy and the bad guy's got Liam Neeson and then Liam Neeson just goes no and then the guy like suddenly dives the plane real fast and then they go weightless you know the one you know like they they could have done anything to make that scene make more sense um, they that's the key word they could have done anything yeah. That's the key word of this whole movie because it's kind of it's kind of amazing that it took three people to write this movie. I mean, I don't know what they were all deciding, uh, you know, conferring on, but uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, there, like the once the villain's plan is revealed, it's revealed in a very uh, rushed manner, and uh, so you know the villain has to really you know spout out his reasoning for doing it. Uh, very quickly and uh, you know there's a lot of holes to his plan and uh, it's just really stupid and um, I think you know I, 
I, I I like that the movie was taking kind of a slow burn approach. It's kind of taking like a mystery thriller approach to, uh, you know, the proceedings as to like, oh, you know, who's doing this, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that's fine. Like, I, I will appreciate that approach. But uh, I feel like once you hit a certain mark in the movie and it's still spinning its wheels, uh, I feel like, you know, eventually the slow burn becomes a slow burn and i'm just sitting there bored out of my mind because nothing other than him getting you know uh nefarious text messages that isn't all that interesting uh even when you you know do little like flashing up on the screen and and it's just like i don't know like the the whole once the 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 mystery is put into motion it plays out in a very mundane way and, and I just don't think that that is, uh, it's not entertaining. It wasn't entertaining to me. Well, I mean, uh, up, up until, up until everything starts to happen at the end, it was entertaining to me. Like it was, um, you know, like I said, it, it was just a slow burn. It was an, an interesting situation that he was in. And, uh, I liked the way they played with, um, how most of the deaths were occurring. These deaths that are happening every 20 minutes. Um, uh, you know, the, the fact that you know who actually is doing the killing with the first death and like just little little things like that where uh it's kind of like essentially somebody will die every 20 minutes the the person who's doing this might not be the one killing them every 20 minutes though uh uh there there was just something interesting about kind of like the way that was playing out um i i like the idea that um Liam Neeson really couldn't trust anybody and uh it, it wasn't like a movie where like this person's clearly the bad guy but we're gonna completely misdirect you to like you know like a lot of times like you just feel you're being manipulated while you're watching it um at least this didn't really have that feel where they were this character is only written to be the obvious bad guy who we will tell you is not the bad guy and then out of nowhere make him the bad guy like they didn't they didn't really suffer from that no, they so didn't much. do that, but they threw in a lot of red herrings for sure. No, there uh, there, there was, but but most of them are are resolved pretty quickly. Where it's more, it's more not like oh, clearly this is the bad guy. It's more Liam Neeson starts to get suspicious, and then he directly questions them, and then yeah, he's but convinced I mean, that, by I mean, that happens though. I mean, <laughs> the person who ends up being the villain totally kind of you know they misdirect you in a big way yeah but it, I, I don't think it's it's a complete misdirection i just think it's a, it's like I, it's hard for me to, to explain it without giving a direct example of another film in a way that would be like a spoiler but i mean i think they totally i think they do that with a lot of the characters of this movie including the villain and then you know oh surprise it was him yeah yeah i i, I just feel that like at, at the end when you find out who it is i don't feel Okay, so so in in a less interesting movie with a twist, there you'd watch the entire movie, and then once the reveal happens, it's clear that that reveal wasn't true up until the moment it was revealed. Um, one of those things where like you're watching the film, and you're like, no, that doesn't even it doesn't even make sense that that's the truth. If you rewatch the entire film knowing that, th there's so many things that don't work that it's clear that they just mm -hmm. wrote this as a twist. In this film, at the very least. Um, when when the reveals happen you can accept those previous scenes having been true knowing the review or sorry knowing the reveal because it doesn't like break the consistency there yeah i can see that yeah but anyways like so 
so one of my main complaints with the film because like, like i said i actually enjoyed the beginning of the film i, I thought it got kind of stupid towards the end but like liam neeson is constantly yelling about how this plane has 150 crew members and passengers on it um and you know like you know you brought up flight plan and in flight plan um correct me if i'm wrong but isn't jodie foster designed the plane they're on right Uh, i yeah sure i can't remember honestly i i want to say like it was a it was one of the first flights this plane was taking and i could have sworn she was like the designer of the plane or something weird like that yeah i think you're right yeah because she was she was on it for whatever reason and she was she was like "Ah, i know this plane in and out yeah well well, either way the the plane itself like i don't want to say the cliche statement of the plane is a character but like the the setup the layout and the design of the plane is part of the story you have a character on board who has designed this new plane. We're taken through multiple floors and comp- compartments, and characters are directly referencing how the layout of the plane works. In this film, the only parts that are connected are apparently business class and first class. Those right, are it's, connect- a, it's a normal-looking plane. Yeah, but... There's no, like, t- two levels or anything. Yeah, supposedly, though, there is a whole other section of the cabin that has... I don't, I don't know how many people are supposed to be in business class and... Um, first class but it clearly there weren't 150 cast members um in this plane it was literally like cockpit little weight station uh the first class cabin you know bathrooms and the second or, or sorry a curtain and then the the uh business class pass uh, uh passengers and i'm assuming that there's supposed to be other parts of the plane that we just never see and meanwhile all this commotion is happening we like i'm confused was that just was this entire plane just business and first class and that was 150 people and I just wasn't counting properly or what? No, I think that was everyone on the plane. Cause it, uh, it didn't feel like 150 people, but I guess it would make sense. I don't know. Like, I think they were making the business class or whatever the economy class was supposed to be. They're making it seem bigger than it was. It's just a, it's just a fancier plane that only has good seats and no crap seats. Well, it, it was weird in general because, like, most international flights have, like, it's a big-ass plane, and they yeah. have, like, multiple levels, and, um, I mean, like, when I was on an international flight, all the planes that we took had just, like, an enormous amount of seats. Like, there were just t- a ton of people. It took, like, it felt like a half an hour just to get off the plane because, like, yeah. if you're in the very back, um yeah, like I, I it to this this just felt like a very standard plane that you would take if you were going, you know, domestically somewhere. Yeah, it's like the, that, it, it that, was like that every have, plane that I've yeah. taken to to Dallas or something like that. Right, that has the first class and then you know business class behind it or economy or whatever. Yeah, coach. like the seats are pretty much the same. They just have like a padded armrest and a little bit extra footroom. <laughs> right, right, but the but they tried to you know they they had all like the the first class or whatever had like the cool you know recliner seats and everything and yeah uh but yeah it didn't really feel like it was uh i mean now i could be wrong there could be you know the smaller international flights that only have like the two classes but yeah or or, or, or the planes that they knew on takeoff were going to get redirected to iceland um <laughs> <laughs> they take the smaller planes for that <laughs> i don't know like it just it didn't seem like 150 people were on that flight but i guess there were um i don't know yeah, and, and like, I don't know. I, I got the feeling that there was supposed to be another section of the cabin we weren't seeing. Um, but that wouldn't make any sense because, like, the circumstances at the end 
No, no, I know that's that's what I'm saying. Sense. Like it makes yeah. zero sense, which is one of the things that was kind of bothering me is like why he keeps yelling about there being other passengers when clearly there's not that many passengers on the I think plane. he was just referring to everyone in coach or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. And like but I mean there were other sections clearly because random uh uh, what's what's the PC term? Not stewardesses, but stewards. I don't I don't know what's the, uh, flight, the, the fl- flight attendants. Yeah, yeah, there there was like when it starts off, there's like the you know there's the there's the two girls, and then randomly like other people start showing up like out of nowhere. There's a dude. There's like that, a guy. Like, uh, um, so clearly those people are taking care of something in the cabin, and we just don't see them very often until I don't even remember what what the circumstance was, but I don't know. This movie should have been like I'm so excited where they all they realize they're gonna die they all just start having sex and doing drugs, <laughs> um, you know. I don't know if that would have fixed the movie. Uh, it would have been a lot more entertaining, or if you know, it would have been more like Snakes on a Plane. Because uh, I think this movie suffers from the the fact that it's a stupid movie, um, but it's taking itself so seriously uh, when it shouldn't have been because. It knows it's a stupid movie, yet it's acting like, you know, it's uh, Airport seventy seven or whatever that the the classic. Uh, well, no, like I, I airline I honestly, hijack movie. I honestly don't think it's a stupid movie though. I just think that the the ending was stupid. Like I, I almost feel like you said this took three writers. I feel like this was a a Saturday writing experiment where. Like, one guy is going to spend the first couple hours writing his part of the draft, and then he passes it off. The next guy reads that and then, like, continues on it, and then the last guy writes the ending. And the last guy was like, yeah, I'm going to insert some temporary stuff. Um, because uh, I Well, it I could see that, I guess, but uh, that's a pretty bad experiment. No, no, no. No, no, I'm just saying, like, the, if, if, it, if it was done that way, it's proof that just there was zero creativity put into this movie but that's what i'm saying is i think the beginning is is pretty solid like it's it's written in a compelling way it's uh you know all the backstory with liam neeson's character at least add something to his character the scenarios surrounding like him first like trying to deal with some of this stuff secretly on the plane without other passengers figuring out what the hell's going on like i i thought those moments were totally fine i i feel like um you know how uh you know famously now how the entire ending was rewritten for world war z um right and the last act yeah yeah and and like i i like you you can kind of exactly see the moment in the film where that happens i feel like the same thing happened in this film just it paid off a lot less (laughs) than than it did in that film i mean Uh, i don't even think that the whole setup is that creative really i mean the the fact that his character is what he is i mean that's like I mean, we've seen that so many times before, and and uh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that I don't think it's I definitely don't think it's well written for the setup. Like, I I don't think that there's anything dialogue wise or setup wise that's hasn't been done before. Like I like I said, I think the the a go to example is Red Eye because that movie takes a kind of been there done that story. But it's got really strong writing. It's got a great setup. It almost starts off like a romantic comedy, and then it just turns into this really tense thriller. And uh, you know, the two leads in that, you know, Killian Murphy and Rachel McAdams have a lot of good chemistry, so that factors into everything. And uh, yeah, it stays on the plane the whole time. We don't get like goofy. 
I don't, at least I don't remember like uh, goofy CGI plane shots, but uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's also, I haven't seen it, but based on the trailer, that is a, that is a scenario that's taking place on a plane that like the, 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 it's a scenario taking place unbeknownst to the rest of the passengers, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is. But I mean, a, it's, this, it's is a, still a, like... this is a film where the story itself affects everyone on the plane. <laughs> right, but it's still the same. It's still the same genre. Yeah, I'm. I'm just saying that, like the the there are, there are ramifications in the context of what's happening in this film that require you to leave two passengers experiment experience on the plane and look at the situation as a whole. Um, so I, 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 I don't know. I'm, I mean, it's, 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 it's still in the same genre though. So, I mean, I, I feel like it's an apt comparison and I think that, uh, I mean, if you want to get even closer, Air Force One then is a much better hijacking plane movie. <laughs> well, it's, it, it, it's a little different there too, just because the, the fact that it's, it's a militarized plane, <laughs> like it's, it, it, Regardless, it doesn't matter. We don't need to compare it to every single other uh, hijacking uh, plane. I mean, United 92 or whatever is better than this also. <laughs> United 92, well, of course, yeah. <laughs> or whatever uh, the, the hell that the movie's name was. Um, uh, yes, you, you just slap those people right in the face. <laughs> uh, but e- either way, my point is that like it, it's not like this is an amazing film um, at the beginning. But it's a for me, it wasn't boring and it was competent. Um, and you know, part of that is just because I'm a fan of Liam Neeson. Um, but I, I think that it's not a complete waste of time at the beginning, but the end of this film is, is aggressively stupid. And it like took me from being like, it, it like the, the watching the first half of this wasn't like, Oh yeah, this movie's so badass. It was a, it was a, just I'm watching and enjoying this. And then once everything starts happening at the end, um, I just got taken out of the movie a lot <laughs> by how ridiculous it was. Well, I mean, I think I think even if the first two acts were like amazing, just pure gold, uh, and then they still had the same final act, it would still be a pretty stupid movie. Uh, well, it would be even more of a disappointing movie since it started off really strong and then just got really stupid at the end. Yeah. Um, but. Maybe the best comparison is that this director, um, whose name I will not pronounce because I'll probably butcher the hell out of it, but uh, I- I've liked the stuff that he's done in the past. Like I think he, I think he has a good handle on these kind of cheesy, uh, you know, genre action movies. Uh, I liked Unknown. I liked his remake of House of Wax. I thought was fun. But the 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 one movie I point to is Orphan. Like that movie has kind of a similar thing where it's it's all built up to a twist or you know a reveal and that sort of build up is a lot stronger and that reveal is definitely like it's you don't see it coming that's for sure and i think that that, <laughs> that was the one I think, that i think that that is what this movie needed like that's the kind of reveal <laughs> but that's okay. the kind of final act that this movie needed so i never saw it but i think i remember you and steven talking about it, or you and somebody talking about it and that reveal like you can't see it coming because why would that ever be in a movie <laughs> <laughs> because it's amazing uh that's why it, it would be the equivalent of if unstoppable or unstoppable of, of non-stop um ended with it being like 
an alien was in <laughs> on board in the dude, car. Dude, that would have been pretty good. That would have been pretty good. At least it would have been different. <laughs> uh, I would have accepted that. At least I would have been a little more uh, on board with that. But I, I, I mean, I, I was joking. I, you know, I'm a fan of Liam Neeson. I like seeing them do the action thing. I just like I said, I feels like it's become like a Mad Libs game where he's not really interested anymore. Like the material isn't as as strong. This this makes me wish. Um, this film makes me wish that uh, that the movie The Gray started from the plane going down. Like there was no explanation, or, or sorry, not from the plane going down, but it started with William Neeson waking up in the snow, having the plane already crashed, no setup, and um, you sort of just get flashes of what was going on. And then this film was actually a prequel to the gray and this leads with them crashing in the middle of some snowy area yes then it would have been like by the end of the film like that reveal would have been pretty badass yes it would have made no sense but it would have been <laughs> probably been pretty badass it's like why is liam neeson on this plane as an air marshal with all these criminals <laughs> <laughs> why is why is the entire cast now different <laughs> Well, no, they could have got, like, the people to return, but just sort of, like, not, mm. you know, like, you just, I don't know, it, it would have been hilarious if it was, like, some secret retcon, too. That, that, that idea has, is about, that, that idea is about as cogent as the idea that the villains have in this movie. Come on, come on Garson, you know that if that's, if that actually <laughs> happened, your mind would be so blown, you'd be like, I, you'd be like, this is the guy from the gray, this is the guy from the gray, and this is the guy from the gray, and then at the end, yeah, but like, I. Your mind we would be would've... like exploded. But we would have figured it out before it would happen, though. Possibly. Yeah. <laughs> you know what would have been even better, though, if the wolves were on the plane? <laughs> no, but see, here, here's the thing is you wouldn't have figured it out because the entire movie, you wouldn't be paying attention. You would have just been like, F these guys. I can't believe they cast the exact same crew. <laughs> <laughs> like you'd be totally thrown off because you'd be so angry that they just reused all those cast members. <laughs> and at the end, you'd be like, holy shit. I think if Joe Carnahan directed, it would have been a, probably a better movie. <laughs> I think it should have been The Gray too, dude, and had the wolves on the plane. I think that would have been that would have been awesome. I think the also wolves... the the flight attendants need you needed to have the dad from Orphan to be one of the people on the plane. <laughs> Peter Sarsgaard, yeah, uh, dude, Vera Farmiga should have been one of the flight attendants. Uh, she should have been the voice on the line that Liam Neeson keeps calling from the. Uh... That and it's hilarious because like the guy that ends up being on the other line is just one of those that guys. Yeah. Like like he's on uh, he's on True Detective right now. He was in American Hustle. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, and I thought like how random that 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 he's just you know, like why bother even showing him? I don't. <laughs> I guess they figured oh we could get him so bring him on in. I don't know. Yeah, I think basically if if you're in that role, it, you have to either cast Ed Harris or Vera Farmiga. <laughs> <laughs> I think George Clooney should have been on this flight. Anna Kendrick should have been there too. George Clooney is in the seat next to him, and when they're taking off, and he's freaking out, and he's just like, "Picture a backpack." <laughs> Then Samuel Jackson shows up, and <laughs> you know this is already a better movie. It would actually be pretty funny, um, and we are so far beyond this episode still going. That uh, oh my god, is it really? How long has this been? Anyway, dude, I th I think we both would have been pretty excited if it was called Nonstop, um, and it ended up being a sequel to The Gray, and <laughs> the Wolves got revenge, 
and they got out. They got loose on the plane. Well, no. What and, I was gonna say is they they should take, they should basically make the Expendables, um, like the same premise as the Expendables, but it's basically an international <laughs> flight that has like I, I all the people who have been in flights international in plane flight movies. movies. Yes. And they all have to figure out what's going on, and nobody trusts anybody else. So it's basically, imagine this movie, but it's told from the point of view of all of the characters, and (laughs) all of them think all of the other ones are bad. So the entire cast of Con Air is in this movie? Is that what (laughs) we're saying? (laughs) Come on. You got Samuel Jackson, you got Liam Neeson, you got uh, (laughs) everybody. Everybody. And it's basically Clue, but serious. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with all those people we got the uh we got wesley snipes from passenger 57 <laughs> He's always betting on black you gotta have him in there of course yes i, I think we have a winner i would i'd watch the shit out of that movie it's called non-stoppable and it's, I, there's a bomb on the plane dude denzel's gotta be in there too he's gotta be flying the plane that's right yeah <laughs> I'd, I'd watch it dude uh that's that sounds like a uh, that sounds like the cokiest movie of the year right there. <laughs> Directed There's by Martin Scorsese. Scorsese on the plane, yeah, dude. Uh, well, J- Jonah and Leo's got to be there too. <laughs> Jonah's <laughs> one of the flight attendants. <laughs> <laughs> he has the same teeth and buggy eyes. Right, right. And uh, Leo wakes up. He's just like, yeah, it's like you you assaulted the pilot. <laughs> you called him the N word. See, it would make sense since Denzel's a pilot. Totally. It would tie, it would tie in with the movie. All right. Well, anyways, I think we spent as much time riffing just now as we did reviewing the actual film. So, uh, Carson, why don't we get into our recommendations? If you're going to give this a must-see, a uh, recommend with a caveat, a wait for rental, a pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it? I really can't give this anything higher than a (laughs) must-avoid. I I was not on board with the beginning and definitely wasn't at the end. Uh, I didn't think I'd say it, but I I would prefer to watch three days to kill again <laughs> so there you go uh, out, out of out of the the two like kind of junky action movies that came out this month i would have picked nonstop to be the better one but uh oh, that's how it happens i guess it's always not how you expect so yeah i mean the, the nonstop does not approach like a taken one level of awesomeness no, it's um, more like a taken two i mean there there you you yeah there's just not enough action for liam neeson to sort of be actiony um in the film to be like yeah dude like if you're gonna watch a liam neeson film there are plenty of other ones that he's way more badass in than in this oh one. of course um, yes he's actually really kind of sympathetic in this film or not even sympathetic like i don't know what, what's what's the good way to say sort of sad <laughs> He's a little melancholy in this movie. Yeah, he's just not like a. Yeah, he's not on his game, so to speak. He's yeah. He's sort of in the mental state that he was at the beginning of the gray. Um, right. So. Yeah. Anyway. He's a little. He's a little depressed. Yeah. I like. I, I. Like I said, I enjoyed the beginning of this film. I think the ending is pretty aggressively stupid, both from like a physics standpoint and a plot standpoint. Um. So I'm. Ah, oh, man. Like I. I don't think it's a must avoid. Um, I think it's something you could possibly have fun watching on your own on TV or renting it. Um, I don't necessarily think it's a wait for rental because to me, a wait for rental is like a recommend, but just don't see it in theaters. Um, so I'm going to give it a pass with a caveat. Um, 
but I think if you, I don't know, I, I think just average person watching it might enjoy it a little more than we did. Um, but I don't think it's necessarily as bad as a must avoid um, and not as good as a wait for rental. So <laughs> this is my convoluted way of saying pass it. <laughs> There you go. All right. Well, uh, Carson, if people want to find you throughout the week, where can they do that? Uh, you can uh, go to uh, practicalcandy.wordpress.com. People can find me at ChristopherInRealLife.com or Twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at SpoilerWarning.com where you get all the back episodes of the show. If you want to figure out when these episodes go live, you can follow us at Twitter.com slash SpoilerWarning or like us at Facebook at Facebook.com slash TheSpoilerWarning. Um, if you want to get hold of us directly, you can send an email to fans at thespoilerwarning.com or call and leave us a voicemail at 760-575-4TSW. That's 760-575-4879. Music for this episode will likely come from a soundtrack to Nonstop if that exists. Um, so, yeah. Uh, that's it, Carson. Um, I think uh, even though this is a nonstop recording, it's time to stop it. So, All right. Thank you for joining me. Yep, thank you for having me. And thank you guys all for listening. We will see you next week. Mm